Amanda. And Adam. And today we're going to be talking about individualism and idealism. Those are very important words to say. They are. Sometimes <laughs> try and say that five times fast and backwards. We're joined today by Chloe, and she's joining us from Denmark and a place called o- Odessa. Odessa? Is that right? Odessa. Odensa, famous, the guy who wrote The Little Mermaid was born there. That's its claim to fame. Pretty cool. Pretty rad. Yeah. And individualism, idealism, this is something that, being honest, when Sam and I started thinking about it, we weren't exactly sure what what it it meant. But then we've been speaking to Chloe about it. And it's a really cool topic Mm. and something I think a lot of our listeners would be able to relate to. So let's just jump right into it. And what, what is an idealist? Chloe in relationships? Yeah, so I I think that the concept of idealism is something that a lot of people have grown up with watching Hollywood movies and hearing stories about what romance should look like in your life. And so I really think it's this idea that you have one person who should provide everything for you in in your life and in in your romance and somebody that you fall in love with and everything is perfect and you know you don't need anything ever again for the future so we were talking about this idea that you know you fall in love and then you follow um a defined path right you get married you buy the white picket fence house you get a dog you have a baby you have another baby and everything is perfect so for me that would be this sort of basic concept of what an idealist might be in a relationship Yeah, my parents definitely have an ideal that I will be having kids five years ago. (laughs) (laughs) And ideally, I'm not going to be doing that. And ideally, I will be just traveling the world for the rest of my life. But we'll see what happens there. I'm the same, yeah. You know, I I haven't got to that age yet where my parents have been... uh asking about children, but I feel like it will it will come soon. Like my mom was 28 or nine when she had me and I'm 25. So that time is coming. Yeah, um, in, in my life too, I, I think I internalized the idealism that I was seeing in the sort of external sources, whether it was actually real life, people tell you that this is what romance should look like. You see it in the movies, you hear it everywhere, you read these articles and all these things. And I also had this ideal for myself that I'm going to have my first child by 28 because my my grandparents unfortunately died young. They didn't really get to see me kind of graduate college and I was really sad about that. So I had this idea in my head that I have to have my first kid by this age and then I, I can, you know, be the grandma dancing at their wedding or something like that. And then I went through this big transformation and I'm like, I don't really know if I uh, want kids in the first place. So that's, uh, and I'm 28 now, by the way. So (laughs) I'm behind schedule on my own idealism. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I, growing up, I also saw all these idealic images and especially in films, TV, books, like Disney movies. But my parents got divorced when I was like six or seven. So one of my earliest memories is my dad sitting us down and and telling us he was leaving. I think because of that, uh, thankfully, I actually didn't get drawn into these idealist ideas as much because I was like, oh, look, like it's just a man and woman and they'll be together forever. But obviously my parents aren't together forever. So I never had that idea of, oh, yeah, like they'll definitely. But that being said, my parents still don't really get on to this day. So Mm. I guess I have a different picture of how, maybe I have a more negative picture of how marriage is going to turn out, actually. 
I think it was me following this ideal of having a long-term relationship, buying a house together, which is something that I did when I was 19. I bought a house with my long-term partner. We had four cats. We had two cars. We lived in the suburbs. I went to university and I was going to be a dentist and I was going to make money and be this, you know, mom, not just a cat mom. And I'm, and wow. I, I, it got to a point where I was a cheating on him. So that was really bad and decided that I needed to be true to myself and what I actually wanted. Cause I was kind of following it along because I didn't want to break his heart, but I mean, I was cheating on him. So I'm a pretty terrible person, but it was when I made that choice, like, fuck this. I'm moving away. I'm going to go to university on the other coast. I can't be with you. This isn't what I want. That I was so much happier. Yeah, I think that we often go go into these things also prolonging things that aren't working for us because we don't want to break somebody's heart or we don't want to cause problems for people or even because we're holding ourselves to these higher ideal standards, right? That this has to work out. But then when you kind of take that step back and you look at yourself and you're like, mm, you know, this, if the ideal isn't working for me, then something has to change. Mm. This brings us beautifully onto individualism. So what is individualism, Chloe? So for me, I sort of discovered my individualism during the transformation of discovering travel during college. So you know, I grew up in this small town and I went to college 30 minutes from where I lived, but I was really lucky to have the opportunity to study abroad a couple of times. And while I was in, in college, I was in this long-term relationship, but got the chance to study abroad in the interim. And during that time, we had to make this really uh, tough decision about whether we would continue our relationship or give each other a little space and open it up. And I'll save that for a little while. But for me, it was this this big uh, break in between what I had always thought about what a relationship has to look like. You know, that until that point, I thought that you have to stay together forever, especially if your relationship is going strong and you love each other. But then I started to get these little seedlings like, you know, maybe this isn't what I want or maybe I need to travel. Maybe I need to discover myself a little bit more. So the idea of individualism for me is that you throw yourself into a relationship, but sometimes it tends to gloss over these aspects of yourself that are undiscovered or things that you never got to explore in yourself and how important it is to be a separate person from the person that you're with and make sure that the things that you need in your life and for your happiness, of course, trying not to hurt other people, right? But to the extent that you need to pursue a certain fulfillment, that you're able to do that as an individual um, separate from your partner so that you can come to the relationship whole and healthy. Mm. I actually, I, I want to address this whole and healthy thing because I feel like a lot of my hesitation of getting into a relationship has been because I want to always continue to improve and work on myself. And I am so far in the individualist category <laughs> and so far away from any of this idealism of being in this long-term romantic partnership that I don't know how to almost get back to this idealistic state of what 
it needs to be. Is this making sense? I don't think. Yeah, no, I, I think I understand what you mean in that you're saying that your so I individualism is more taking control of, of yourself, right? So and I, there's these ideals that, oh, you should do A, B, and C, you should get married, you should have had kids, you should do that. And if you don't feel like you want to do that, that's totally fine. And if you're embracing ideal individualism, you're deciding, no, I actually don't want to buy a house. I want to do something else. And so I think you're saying, Sam, that maybe you've taken so much away from the idealism and you've made your decisions about absolutely everything and they're unmoving that you, you'll find it difficult to find someone to, to mesh with because it's unlikely they will also have those ideas. Yeah, well, and, and that I can't really just dive into some of them because maybe there are some aspects of that idea, but because I've been away from it for so long, I've mm. been so averse to it. So I've been so I'm on my own and there's nothing there that's worth it for me. So mm. aversive to it, that now it's hard to just kind of dip my toe back into that pool. Mm. Yeah. And, I think that when we break it down, you know, we, we are at the core of things, individuals, right? Each, each man for his own. But there is this real pressure, I think, both ex externally and internally, you know, to partner up with somebody because, you know, that's biologically what we're meant to do, you know, in theory. Right now, we're, we're in a, a sort of part of human development where if we don't want to do that, if that's something that's not right for us, we don't have to. But, you know, in the past, from the beginning of, you know, the existence of humankind, that was just how things worked. And I, and I do think that, you know, people can be on any point in that spectrum, you know, from the idea that, you know, I'm independent and my goals for my goals and ambitions for myself come first before anything, all the way to this, you know, I have to partner up immediately and I want this huge brood and all of these things. And there is that struggle, you know, to balance the two, you know, especially when you are answering these societal ideals of like, when being in a relationship means giving up yourself. So I think that that's maybe the wall that you hit with it, you know, because I firmly believe you don't have to give up yourself in a relationship. But if you listen to these societal ideals, you might feel that you have to and it really becomes a big thing that you fight with the whole time. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Chloe. And I can see, I can empathize, Sam, with your fear or, or feeling that maybe that it, you're too far removed. But I think that the best relationship, like you, you hear this all the time, right? And for relationship advice or self-help advice, like you need to work on yourself first and make yourself as good as you can be. And that's the best way you're going to have a relationship with someone else. So... I think therefore you're at, by working on yourself, you're actually going to reject loads of people because you're going to say, actually, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. And there'll be so many people who do want those things. So therefore I think it can seem that you're not right for anyone, but therefore I think the person you do find once you do kind of match and gel, you'll both be independent. You'll both have your own thoughts and feelings. You won't be lying on each other and become this like, weird like mesh where it's actually you're not even what you're not two people you're like this one thing <laughs> this one glob of human matter and yeah, i think that's the best that's at least what i'm trying to do right now and i think that's where we should be aiming for we don't have any success stories of it yet personally personally but maybe it sounds like you do have a success story in in creating this the first thing I want to clarify, Adam, is do you, do you mean that you're trying to become a glob of, of human uh, compound or do, <laughs> what do you mean? 
<laughs> trying to trying to go for this balance, I guess, right? Okay, so the words I've written down are so codependent, which is mm -hmm. where you're both like depending on each other for everything. And then there's independent where you're just kind of just yourself and then interdependent, which is where you are independent of yourself, but then you can still kind of mesh with someone else and do things together, but you don't, you don't need them necessarily for anything, but you are with them out of, out of choice and out of love. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a tough thing to balance all of these different levels of a relationship, emotional, intimate, you know, the, the day-to-day -day and unsexy things like finances, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's a really difficult thing. And I, I think partly you come to it as, you're always going to come to it as an individual. And I don't mean an individualist, right? But you come to it with all of your baggage from your life, come to a relationship, right? And if you are the type of person who's naturally codependent, you really rely on people, or maybe you wouldn't be, but you've heard all of these ideals, so you feel like that that's what your relationship has to look like. It can be very difficult because some people are not okay with being alone. Some people are not okay with spending time, you know, exploring themselves or just doing activities, going for a walk or, you know, taking a class or something like that. They feel like they have to do everything with their partner. But in my case, I feel like my really strong attachment to travel helps give me this really healthy mind space where I can remove myself every once in a while. And I'm having these amazing experiences off on my own and seeing different parts of the world and sort of enriching myself as a human. And then I can, you know, come back to my home and to my partner as a fuller person and I can share those experiences. And, you know, that for me, what travel represents can be different for everybody, right? But I, I think it's sort of about this idea that within a relationship, we need a little bit of time to ourselves to sort of reflect on things. And of course, you know, being together 24 seven can work for some people. I think for a lot of relationships, we're forcing that on ourselves more than it really works for us. And so I, I just try to sort of take a step back, make sure that I'm getting what I need and that then I can come to my partner again, like I was saying before, sort of having filled my cup, having gotten what I needed independently from him and then, you know, we can be kind of healthier together. My partner is not the type of person that goes off on travels, for example, right? So he has, he has different projects that he uses. But yeah, we're, thankfully, we both have, we're people with, with our projects. So we kind of go off into our projects, and then we come together and we kind of share what we learned. No, for sure. And I think one of the problems that a lot of couples are having, especially in this 24-7 lockdown with each other, is that they don't ever get to have any other interests outside of each other yeah and it's really healthy and really important to be able to say i'm going to go out and do this you can't come mm. and that's okay because i can tell you some cool stories now when i come back i wouldn't have had those stories because we would have been right there beside me so what what we're, what are we going to talk about it's interesting in my relationship too because we do live in a small apartment we have a roommate but our roommate was actually abroad during this thing she just got back so we literally were completely alone together in a essentially three room apartment, which includes a bathroom, right? So it's, it's really hard to get that space from each other. And the funny thing is that we also both work from home. So you would think that we're in that ripe category for just like wanting to like move anywhere away from each other, you know, as soon as this is over, but we've really managed to make it work because I, I think it's also, it's partially about compart compartmentalizing and it, it's partially about both asking for and making your own space. So for example, we, we both have our little office spaces in the apartment, right? And 
my partner doesn't mind, for example, being interrupted. So I could go over and give him a hug or give him a kiss or whatever at any time. But I'm exactly the opposite. I get really into my work. I hate being interrupted. And it's really hard for me. So I think, you know, I'm not saying that our experience works for everybody, but I really think you have to, you have to identify what is ticking you off about your partner and you have to make the space, you know? So you say there is an invisible barrier here between your desk and the couch right now. The couch is my office space, right? And, you know, for a period, let's say three hours, I'm really in this, pretend I'm not here, right? Pretend I'm at the coffee shop across the street. And that's been really helpful for us, honestly. Where were you two months ago? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I love talking during working time and bugging him and he doesn't, he doesn't have any of it at all. I, I haven't actually said any of this. So we, we are the exact same as you, Chloe, actually. So we, apart from like being partners, we're more, we're more friends, but yeah, we were living in a three room apartment as well for quarantine, our workspace. We actually sat at the same table during Tiny the day table. and yeah, I hate being interrupted as well. I actually, I actually think it's really bad for you. Like I, I, don't, I think it's scientifically bad for you if you are interrupted and if I am interrupted because it takes, it, it, it takes time to get into that flow state. And then if you're, if you're knocked out of it, even for a second or two, you lose so many minutes trying to get back into it. And you have only so many hours of the day. Anyway, but we won't get into that, but yes, yes sir. <laughs> my, my point was, sorry, my point was, I feel like COVID, the way I've been thinking about it, is that it's either it's going to make or break your relationship. I don't think there's any way you can just stumble along living together 24-7 and not either get into like a massive argument or really deepen your relationship, especially if you live in such a tight quarters as we did. And I imagine the same for you, Chloe. And I think it's actually been a really a big gift in that it's, we've had to choose like, no, we, we want to be friends and we want to work through some problems that we've had and we want to kind of, we want to stay together and, and, and do this shit because we like each other. Yeah, and, and deciding to stay together, I think, is a really big part of finding this balance because, again, when we talk about the ideals, you think, okay, I've you know, mutually decided with this person, I want to be in a relationship, and that's it. Now we're perfect. Now we're happy. We've reached the end of the movie. But actually being, being in a sustainable relationship means choosing each other every day or constantly, right? And waking up and saying like, I want this to work. And that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that you have to be kind of consistently discussing your feelings. If that's what you have to do for a period, then, then that's what you do. But I also think it's about, you know, when we talk about COVID, it's about finding this balance between this is my time right now. I need, you know, space separately from you. But then also setting out these times where you do meet again, you know, and these little rituals that kind of keep you keep you on track, keep you in contact with each other. So for example, every day we eat lunch together or we eat dinner together and every weekend we cook together, you know? So you have these things where you make the time for each other, but at the same time, it doesn't go over that line or boil over into, you know, this is too much. You know, I, 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 need, I need you very far away from me. You know, there has to be that balance. I'm actually curious. So you said that you do like to travel on your own, but is it, have you traveled with your partner? Does he just not like traveling or what is that about? That's a great question. So he wouldn't travel if it weren't for me. You know, his like his interest is sort of like piggybacking on mine, I guess. It's not that he doesn't enjoy travel, but he, I guess he kind of enjoys it with me, you know, because I'm the I'm the enthusiast here. So we have traveled together. Definitely after I, I had my own, uh, I was like solo traveling before we got together in the first place. And then I kind of took him along and there's this really interesting balance for me as well, because 
I discovered, I would say like four, four and a half years into our relationship. So I was this real individualist, right? At the same time that I was saying, you know, I want to show the world we're, we're in such a great partnership and I want everyone to know about it. I also said, you know, I don't want to be this person who just gets eaten into their relationship, you know? And I came to this point where I said, you know, I think that we have to, to share each other's hobbies so that we, you know, we can understand a little of each other's world. It doesn't have to become the other person's world, but just that they share in it. And so when I would be traveling by myself, I would, for example, let's say looking at a beautiful sunset and you say, man, I really wish that my partner was here to experience it with me. Cause it's not enough to tell them on the phone and it's not enough to send them a picture. But on the other hand, when you do travel with your partner, so in my, I mean, we have a really great system where like, I don't like navigating. So when he's with me, he becomes the navigator and I'm just the one who picks all the activities and thankfully he's happy with that. But yeah, but yeah, it's nice to sometimes share those activities with your partner. And then on the other hand, I think even when it makes you a little bit sad to be apart, it's really good to like absence makes the heart grow fonder. So even when you want to share that sunset with somebody, right, you come back and again, you're just a richer person and then you can, you can balance the solo travel and the, and the travel together as well. Awesome. Yeah, that's cool. I, I definitely would love to do traveling with, with my future partner. I think that'd be really cool. So it's nice to find, you see, you found that kind of little balance there. I love what you said is mm-hmm. all about makes the heart grow, grow fonder. Yeah. And what is it like, you know, for, for you guys, for example, both of you live in a different country than the country of your birth, but together, right? You, and you both grew up in different countries. So is there sort of something to navigating that both being expats, but in a different way? Sometimes the language is a bit different. So we had a, uh, a fancy dress party. <laughs> <laughs> what would you think fancy dress is? Yeah, what's fancy dress in your mind? Like what, 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 what I describe it looking like? I say or? dress code, Chloe, for tonight is fancy dress. What are you going to turn up wearing? Ooh, I am going to wear the, the black dress with big red flowers that shows my boobs off really nicely. You see? So in England, everyone would be like, what are you wearing, Chloe? It's fancy dress. <laughs> why, why aren't you dressed as Superwoman? Or why aren't you dressed as a zombie? It's like a Halloween party when it's, you say fancy dress. It's a costume. Oh, costume. Yeah, yes. And fancy dress. It, yeah, that's what fancy dress issue. is in the UK. <laughs> we would call that black tie. We would say it's black tie wearing, you know, a suit and tie, tuxedo, all that stuff. Okay, so sometimes that's an issue. Yeah. Uh, but there's so many expats here. Yeah. I don't think, we don't feel like oh, we live in a non-English speaking place I guess and I mean I've been I've been abroad for almost eight years now or over eight years now and so it just it feels just normal I think I feel way weirder when I'm back home in Canada and I just Mm -hmm. go what are all these these Canadians are weird (laughs) like (laughs) I love Canadians when they're traveling but the ones at home that don't leave I have nothing in common with them and I just go who are you? <laughs> like, uh, 
no, I don't get your jokes. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a really interesting thing too. The first time that I brought my partner back to New York to meet my family. And that was one of the first times that we were together really 24 seven, like ever in our relationship. And he kind of had to rely on me because, you know, he was this like stranger in a strange place and all these things. But we, you know, we found a way to navigate that as well. And it's a really cool thing to kind of show your partner, show your partner around your hometown, you know, and go through these or rather to see where you grew up kind of through the eyes of an international or the eyes of, of a foreigner and to explore it all over again from the beginning with somebody who's never seen it before. Oh, for sure. That would be amazing. I'll be like, look at this is where I went to school. This is where I did this. This is, this is my favorite restaurant. But yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Chloe. Yeah, it was really nice to have this conversation. Uh, I definitely have I've thought about different ways that I'm going to talk about things and how I'm going to think about things from this conversation. So I think it's very valuable. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Awesome. And if you like the show, please give it a like and subscribe. Oh wait, can you do that on podcasts? I don't know. We I might have to figure that out. We'll figure that out. If you can, do. If you can't, do the thing that you do on podcasts. Yeah. Follow. Yeah, follow. Download. Download it. There Download. we go. That's it. Do that thing. <laughs> All right, awesome. Chloe, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Bye. 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 Bye.